Discover the tips and strategies that will help you achieve your retirement goals. I'm your host, James Canole, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you retire well. It all starts right here on Ready for Retirement. Everyone and welcome to another episode of Ready for Retirement. I'm your host, James Canole, and we have a topic today that I love. It's, it's a listener question. It's someone submitted a question, and to me, this question hits on one of the most important parts of retirement planning. It's not necessarily just about investments. It's not just about income and retirement. It's about keeping your taxes as low as they possibly can be throughout retirement, and that is one of the areas where most people are leaving money on the table. People hear tax planning sometime and they say, okay, that that's great. You know, if I had a business, if I had all these things, I'm sure you could do a lot of great tax planning, but I've just earned a W-2 wage my whole life and I've done a good job of saving and investing. But other than maybe writing off my mortgage interest or ta- state taxes or, or giving, I don't see how tax planning will apply to me. So I'm excited for today's question because I think today's question as we go through it will answer a lot of those questions for people so that maybe you can start to see where there's opportunities in your own situation to to keep your taxes as low as possible in retirement. So I'm going to read the question. This question is, of course, specific to one listener, but I'm going to provide a framework and a way of thinking about this that everyone can apply to their situation so you can see how it could possibly be used in your situation. So let's jump in. Here's the question. It says, I have just started retirement at age 61. My wife and I have $1.9 million in traditional IRAs, $700,000 in taxable savings accounts, and $130,000 in a Roth IRA. We are currently living off of a pension in our savings, electing to defer Social Security until age 70 for the maximum benefit. My concern is that we have a lot of money in the traditional IRAs, and we would like to bring this more in balance with the Roth by doing strategic Roth IRA withdrawals or Roth conversions now while tax rates are historically low. We would also like to reduce future required minimum distributions that could push us into a higher tax bracket. The Roth will be invested for long-term growth while we draw down the traditional IRA and our taxable savings to meet our near-term living expenses. So my question is this, does it make sense to draw down the traditional IRAs to meet our living expenses, or should we do Roth conversions and use our taxable savings for our living expenses? My pension income is $65,000 per year and we would like to max out the 22% federal tax bracket with our IRA withdrawals, and we live in Florida, which has no state income taxes. A lot to unpack there, but thank you for the question. This is going to be a really important episode for a lot of people, so you can see the ways in which you might be able to apply some similar strategies as we go through this. Before we go much further, I'm going to say very clearly what we're about to go through is not tax advice. This is for illustrative and educational purposes only. We're going to walk through and talk through strategies, but before you do anything, make sure you talk to your CPA or your financial planner to see if this might make sense for you. So before we distill this question down to the essence of what it's asking, a couple things to note. Number one, this listener lives in Florida, and in Florida, there's no state income taxes. So whenever you're doing IRA conversions or IRA withdrawals, you have to look at your total tax picture. So in this instance, we're only going to be looking at the federal tax implications of doing some of this because there's no state tax in Florida. If you live in a state that does pay income tax or you do have state income tax, keep that in mind too. But we're just going to be focusing on the federal taxes for this conversation. Number two, I don't know this individual's living expenses. I don't know if it's $80,000 per year, $100,000 per year, $200,000 per year. I don't know. So this won't be specific guidance because that piece isn't included, but we'll still be able to walk through some of this. 
And then finally, I'm not sure this individual's risk tolerance, how they're invested, what some of their long-term goals are with this. So there are some details that we would need to know before giving very, very specific advice. But here's what we do know. We do know that this individual has a pension of 65,000 per year that they're living on. We know that they're not gonna collect social security until 70. And it sounds like they're 61 today, so they got some years to go before that. And we know they've got about 2.7 to $2.8 million of investments. And their question put simply is this. It's, we know we're gonna be in a higher tax bracket in the future. Should we do Roth conversions today to avoid that? Or should we draw down our IRAs today to avoid that? What's going to be more effective for that? I love this question. There's a lot to look at here, but let's start with an example to illustrate something. Let's assume that you do neither of those things. You don't do Roth conversions and you don't draw down your IRAs, but instead let's say that you live on your brokerage account, your savings and your pension from now until 72, so 11 years from now. Well, if you have $1.9 million in traditional IRAs today, that's great but that money's gonna keep growing, which is, it's a good thing, but you'll see how it could also be a challenge. If in 11 years, so in 11 years you turn 72, and at 72 you're forced to start taking required distributions from your portfolio, if your money grows on average of 7% per year, I'm using that as an example, that $1.9 million in traditional IRAs will grow to about $4 million in traditional IRAs. So again, the assumption is you're not taking any money out, it's just sitting there, you're not adding to it, but that money is growing for you. And it about doubles over the next 11 years. You now have $4 million if we fast forward 11 years just in your traditional IRAs. Now, when you turn 72, that's when you are, be, you are forced to start taking money out of your portfolio, your required minimum distribution. In the first year of retirement, your required minimum distribution comes out to about 3.9% of your total pre-tax portfolio value. So if your pre-tax portfolio at this point is $4 million, 3.9% of that is about $156,000. So it's a good amount of income, which is good news, bad news. The good news is you have income to live on. The bad news is it's really just a forced distribution and all that distribution is taxable. So if you look at that 156,000, that's taxable. Plus you have a pension of 65,000, that is taxable. Plus at that point you have two full social security benefits. And I don't know exactly what this individual's social security benefits are going to be, but based upon the way they've saved and invested, it looks like they probably made potentially very good income over the course of their lifetime. So let's assume that they have the maximum social security benefit they could possibly get. I mean, they capped out on their social security each year. Well, that could be potentially another ninety-four to $95,000 per year of social security benefits if you're looking at both spouses' benefit. Now with social security, not all of it is taxable, I mean, the, the IRS isn't going to tax the full amount, but if you have about 94000 per year in Social Security, about 80000 of it is probably going to be taxed. So just to summarize, that's 156000 from required distributions, $65,000 from their pension, and about $80,000 of taxable Social Security earnings, which means their total income is about $300,000 per year by age 72. So again, I say good news, bad news. The good news is you put yourself in a great position to where you probably don't need to worry about income. I don't know what your expenses are. I'm not sure exactly what types of things that you're wanting to do, but for the quote unquote average person, 300,000 per year of income is gonna more than cover what you might wanna do at that point. Now, one of the things that we don't know is we don't know what tax brackets are gonna be at that time. But what we can do is we can look at today. What would that do for you today? And today, if you had $300,000 of gross income and you were married, that would put you into the 24% federal tax bracket. 
So today, if that was your income, you would have filled up the 10% federal tax bracket, filled up the 12% federal tax bracket, filled up the 22% federal tax bracket, and you would be inside of the 24% federal tax bracket. Now, that's today. And what we don't know is we don't know what that's going to look like by the time you're 72, but we do know tax brackets probably are going up. And what we do know is tax brackets are probably going to revert to something like what they were four years ago under President Obama before President Trump signed new tax legislation into law. So if we just look at 2016 tax brackets, and granted things have been adjusted for inflation and they'll be adjusted for inflation again going forward, but if we look at $300,000 per year of income back in 2016, that would put you in the 33% tax bracket. So today it's 24. Four years ago, five years ago, it would have been 33. Who knows what it will be in the future, but it will likely be higher than what it is today. Also, and this is a never a fun part to talk about, and this is really kind of outside the scope of today's episode, but one thing that's important to note is if a spouse passes away in retirement, one spouse predeceases the other, you get hit on the financial side by losing the deductions or losing the tax rates that you have married finally jointly. So for example, $300,000 of income puts you in the 24% tax bracket today if you are married finally jointly, but if you're single with that same exact level of income, that puts you in the 35% tax bracket. So all of a sudden, tax brackets really jump up 11% for you. And you could say, well, if it was just me or if it was just my spouse, if I predeceased them, they wouldn't need to spend as much or I wouldn't need to spend as much. Yes, and that's true. But this isn't about how much you need to spend. It's about how much you're going to be forced to take out of your portfolio, whether you want to or not. So back to our example, there there might still be a pension of $65,000, even if one spouse predeceases the other. Required minimum distributions would still be the same because one spouse would inherit the other spouse's IRA balance. Social security would be cut in half, but it would still be an income level, even after cutting social security in half, that today would keep a spouse in a 35% tax bracket or keep the surviving spouse in a 35% tax bracket if they went from the married filing jointly rates into the single rates or the single thresholds. So again, outside the scope of today's conversation, I know it's not a fun thing ever to talk about, but it is something that we do need to keep in mind as we're looking towards the future to see what potential tax liabilities might you be facing. It's reality that we have to at least think about some of these things to see how can I protect the both of us and how can I protect my surviving spouse should I potentially predecease them. So the bottom line of this example is you're you're in a good spot. So you're probably in a good spot where I'm going to assume that you have enough income to last you for the rest of your life which is the good news between your pension and social security and investments. And it sounds like you probably already know that. The bad news, not really the bad news, but the opportunity, the potential downside and opportunity at the same time is you're going to end up paying a lot of it away in taxes if you don't start to do some strategic tax planning along the way. And doing strategic tax planning, of course, is why you asked this question. So let's jump into the two options you gave. You said, okay, that that example makes sense, but that's why I either want to draw down my IRA or that's why I might want to convert my IRA from my Roth IRA so that I don't run into those huge tax liabilities later on once I turn 72 and I'm forced to start taking money out of my portfolio. So let's look at other options. One option was, what if I don't spend the next 11 years living on my brokerage account or the cash savings that I have? What if I lived on my traditional IRA instead? So instead of letting my IRA grow from 1.9 million today up to 4 million or so if it grows at 7% by age 72, what if I lived on my IRA? So I started taking distributions today so that I wouldn't have quite as much at age 72. And it's weird to think in terms of trying to keep your portfolio lower, but that's not really what we're doing. 
we're trying to keep the taxable portion of your portfolio lower, which would then put you in a position where you could look to maximize the growth on your Roth IRAs or your brokerage accounts because there are no required distributions from those and it would allow you to manage your tax bracket a whole lot easier with those accounts if those accounts were higher at retirement. So your Roth IRA and your brokerage accounts were higher at retirement and your traditional IRA was lower. It wouldn't be as many required distributions because of that. Now, the, the missing piece here in this equation that I don't know, there's a few of them, but the big one is I don't know your living expenses. So I don't know exactly how much you would need to take out of your IRA each year to live on. So if you have 65000 per year coming in from your pension, do you need another 10000 from your IRA? Do you need another 20000 Do you need another, another 60000 That's the piece I don't know. So in general, yes, if you live on your IRA today, you could take money out of your IRA, probably at lower tax brackets today to live on, and that would be limiting the growth you'd, you'd see over time, which means not as many or not as high of required distributions by age 70. So you'd have a larger Roth, a larger brokerage account, and smaller IRA at age 70. So that could absolutely be a great option. Without knowing what your expenses are, I don't know how much you need to take out of your IRA. So it's hard to see what, what those exact amounts look like. But I think that strategy could, could potentially be better than the first example we gave of just letting your IRA grow and grow and grow, which might feel good today because it's keeping taxes low today, but you might run into significant tax challenges in the future doing that. Now, there's another option, too, with this. And you mentioned this. You said, do I, instead of living on my IRA, do I potentially convert pieces of my IRA into my Roth IRA? And you even said, do I potentially fill up the 22% tax bracket as I do that? Why does that make sense? Well, as you mentioned, tax rates today are historically low. When you look at where we are today and you compare that to where we've been in the past and where we're likely to go in the future, it's very clear that we're probably at a time where rates are low and can we take advantage of that? And we can take advantage of that because this listener, as you're, as you're as we're going through your specific example, you have other assets that you can live on. You have your pension, you have your Roth, you have your brokerage account. So does it make sense to take strategically to live on your brokerage account and your pension, let your Roth IRA continue to grow, and then even make strategic Roth conversions year by year to take advantage of the lower brackets and have more in your Roth and less in your IRA by the time that you get to 72? So let's actually look at an example of how that might play out. Let's simplify this for a second. Let's assume that the only taxable income you have for 2021 is a $65,000 from your pension. So I know that you have the brokerage account. Let's ignore any dividends or capital gains or anything like that. Let's just assume that's nothing. Let's assume that $700,000 is just cash that you can live on and you've already paid taxes on that cash. So you can take out as much as you need and it wouldn't actually impact you from a tax standpoint. So if $65,000 is the only taxable income that you have this year from your pension, well, right off the bat, let's just assume you take the standard deduction. Now, I don't know if you have a mortgage interest or a mortgage that you pay interest on or do charitable giving or property taxes that you can deduct, but I'm going to assume that you take a standard deduction. Could potentially be more if you itemize, but the standard deduction in 2021 is $25,100. If both spouses or once a spouse is 65 or older, you get an additional $1,300 per spouse on top of that as your standard deduction. But if you're 61 today, your standard deduction is $25,100. So if I just round that to 25,000, what that means for you is that if you have a pension of 65,000, which is fully taxable, let's take off 25,000 of that just because of the standard deduction. What that means is your taxable income, so the amount that you're actually paying taxes on is only $40,000. So if your taxable income is $40,000 and you are filing taxes, married filing jointly in 2021, 
The way that's going to work out is you will pay 10% federal taxes on the first $19,900 of taxable income that you have. So that's tax at 10%. So you fill up that bucket. Well, the next bucket or the next threshold is 12%. And on the amounts from $19,900 up to $81,050, you are going to pay 12% taxes on that amount. Well, if your taxable income is $40,000, the first $19,900 is taxed at 10%, the next $20,100 is taxed at 12%, then you're done. That's your only taxable income. You will pay a blended rate of between 10 and 12% on your federal tax bill. So that's very low, and that's great today, and the temptation is to keep it low today. But if you did nothing, if you just enjoyed these low tax brackets and didn't do anything else, it's going to be great for the near term but it's gonna set you up for a much larger tax bill in the future. So right away, what we wanna do is we wanna see, can we fill up some of these tax brackets? Well, we've only used $20,100 in the federal or the 12% federal tax bracket so far. Well, the 12% tax bracket, it goes up to 81,050 before you jump in the 22% threshold. So if we're only showing taxable income of $40,000 because our pension of 65 minus the standard deduction leaves 40, well, ideally, can we show income of at least $81,050 so that we can fill up that 12% tax bracket? This might be one of our last opportunities to get money in at this 12% tax bracket. So could we convert, hypothetically, $41,050 from your traditional IRA to your Roth IRA? Because what that would do is it would fill up the 12% tax bracket. So we have filled up part of the 12% tax bracket just with our pension. Our pension's done that for us. But the remaining amount, let's take that from our IRA to our Roth IRA. So it's not an IRA withdrawal because we're not taking that money out and just sticking it in cash. We're moving that money from our IRA to our Roth IRA. So as the growth happens now, more of it is in the Roth and less of it is in the pre-tax IRA. Now, this, this listener question, he's asking the question, what if we want to fill the 22% bracket too? Well, you could certainly do that as well. So what you would do is the first $41,050 of conversions would effectively fill up the 12% tax bracket for you. But then you've got $91,700 in the 22% tax bracket before jumping into the 24% bracket. So what you could do is you could potentially convert another $91,700. And what that does is on top of filling up the 12% tax bracket, you are also filling up the 22% tax bracket. So you're converting your IRA to your Roth IRA at what we're hoping is going to be lower tax rates today than you'd have to pay in the future if you let your money keep compounding and growing and then coming out at higher tax brackets once required distributions start. So to do that, using the same example, you're, you're converting 41050 to fill the 12% bracket, 91700 to fill the 22% bracket. That's a total conversion of 132750 now, keep in mind, you're going to have to pay taxes on that. So the goal, of course, is to lower taxes over the rest of your retirement, but there's still a tax bill due today. So one of the questions, of course, is does it make sense for you to convert that amount? Do you have the cash on hand to be able to pay for the taxes on that conversion? And also keep in mind, the goal isn't necessarily to convert everything from IRAs to Roth IRAs. For some people, that might make sense, but I'm going to say for most people, that would end up costing them more money along the way in paying taxes on those conversions then it would actually save them over the course of retirement. So this isn't necessarily an all or nothing proposition. It's more about can you convert enough when income taxes are lower? Or can you convert enough to fill up the lower ends of the tax bracket thresholds that it's allowing you to manage your future tax liability? 
to go back to our example, maybe instead of having $4 million in your IRA, can we convert enough along the way strategically to have two and a half million or 2 million or 1 million in your IRA? And I'm just using random examples, but looking at what are our income needs going to be at that point and not wanting to have to take more out of our IRA from required minimum distributions than we might need to live on. So it's about balancing taxes today and taxes in the future. It's not, do we leave everything in our IRA so we pay a lot more in taxes in the future? And it's not even converting everything today so we pay nothing in the future. Both of those might end up costing you a lot more than it would save you. But can you convert enough? Can you fill up the brackets, the lower brackets along the way? And what that will do is that will allow you to lower your overall tax bill that you pay over the course of your retirement. Now, in some upcoming episodes, we're actually going to go over strategies that allow you to convert more while offsetting that higher income with higher deductions in certain years. But in general, what you want to do is you want to be smart about taxes today. You want to be smart about taxes in the future. That involves some planning of looking at income and taxes and assets today and looking at income and planning and taxes in the future. The challenge is we don't know where tax brackets are going to be in the future, but we can make some good educated guesses that some of those brackets are going to be higher than they are today. So at the end of the day, make sure you're not overpaying any more than you have to today, but don't do so at the expense of not overpaying in the future or of overpaying in the future. So thank you for your question. It is a great question. This is something I think more people than not should be exploring. Again, people hear tax planning and they think I don't have a business or these complicated kind of just financial interests that would allow me to write anything off or take deductions. It's not about that. It's about how do we treat IRAs, Roth IRAs, brokerage accounts. And doing this the right way could save you tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars potentially over the course of your retirement. And I hope this example is helpful as we're looking at just conceptually what might that look like for each individual. So thank you as always for listening. I appreciate the questions. If you have a question, you can always submit that on the readyforretirement.co webpage. If you're listening and you're enjoying what we're talking about, I'd appreciate it if you left a review, leave a five-star review, help more people find the show. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Ready for Retirement podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and let me know by leaving a five-star review. And as always, for a list of the notes and the resources mentioned in today's episode, you can find those at the Ready for Retirement website, which is readyforretirement.co. That's readyforretirement.co. And if you have a question that you would like for me to answer in a future episode, then you can also go to the Ready for Retirement website, readyforretirement.co. There's a page called Submit Your Question where you can submit a question for me to answer in a future episode. Thanks as always for listening, and I'll see you next time. Hey everyone, it's me again for the disclaimer. Please be smart about this. Before doing anything, please be sure to consult with your tax planner or financial planner. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as investment, tax, legal, or other financial advice. It is for informational purposes only.